The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, hello everyone, and welcome to Biz Locker Radio, presented by the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board. Great sales conversation straight ahead. Looking forward to it. Another couple of great guests, as we did last week. We keep the show rolling. Four weeks we're going to do this. Nothing but sales for four weeks. Last week, fantastic show that we uh, got all started off, and we'll do more of the same. Last week, it was uh, talking about sales acceleration with Alan Paul and Doyle Slayton. This week, we'll talk about managing clients for growth. Colleen Francis, Engage Selling, will be along with us, as well as Tim Ohai who uh, is uh, a consultant and does all kinds of great things around the sales atmospheres. All of these guys do. I'm excited about it. Operating at the intersection of sports and business, that's the business locker room, the online show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use today. If you are looking to improve your business performance, and I suspect you are if you're listening, whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, lead a company, this is definitely the show for you. We have experts in sales, marketing, social media, business strategy, leadership, and much, much more. Biz Locker Radio, and I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, thanks for joining me. You can find us online at bizlockerradio.com. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. And by the way, do what I do. Download the show, download the podcast from iTunes, and listen to it on your daily commute in the car. This is show number 52 Managing Clients for Growth, and the content on all of our previous shows has been absolutely spectacular. And by the way, as we have done a couple of times, going to give away a couple of brand new business books absolutely free. You don't have to do anything except text me. Text to the number 33444. Text BizRadio, B-I-Z-R-A-D-I-O. Just text that to 33444. Anytime before May the 1st, we'll take the first five people give away five outstanding business books. Really privileged to have authors on the show who oftentimes share their books with us. We get those autographed and we get them out to our listeners. So great to have you on board. This week's show, stellar. More, as as I mentioned, in the world of sales. We have Colleen Francis, who's been on the show, by the way. She just came on when she had just released her book, Nonstop Sales Boom. Fantastic book. Highly recommend it. You need to go find it on Amazon. I wrote a review for it. She's been in sales over 20 years 
and understands the kind of challenges that you face. She is a past president of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, a member of the Canadian Speaking Hall of Fame, and I'm led to believe very good on video. We were just having this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Colleen, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Also joining us, Tim Ohai. He's the founder of Growth & Associates. This is a community of experts that specializes in sales, sales enablement, sales transformation solutions. I love his motto. It says, quote, everything looks on looks great on paper until people get involved. No doubt about that, Tim. Great to have you as well. Thank you very much, and it's great to be here. Oh, I appreciate it. Guys, we're talking sales today, and we're talking managing clients for growth. And it's kind of an interesting topic because most of the uh, conversations around sales, Colleen, tend to uh, revolve around getting clients, acquiring clients, uh, prospecting, and all of those kinds of things. Why do we talk about managing clients for growth? Well, I think it's because you have to have balance. You know, when we talked about this previously in nonstop sales boom, what, what I notice about companies that are accelerating their sales growth is they have a balance between net new client attraction and closing, and growing the existing clients. And what's critical about that is we've discovered that when you grow your existing clients and you get more of their, let's just call it share of wallet, as a lot of people call it, they become more loyal because it's difficult for them to replace you when they're buying multiple products and they're really well entrenched inside your organization. So you create loyalty as well as revenue. Tim, my, my suspicion is, is it's easy to get distracted one way or the other. You can get focused on new clients or you can get too entrenched in taking care of existing clients. Do you find that to be true out in the real world? Yeah, I, I mean, it boils down to almost where you are with your market. Um, certain industries do different things. So an industry that's really heavy on innovation like tech, um, you're constantly trying to find new clients because you're solving new problems with new capabilities. But an industry that's been established a lot more uh, mature, uh, you're going to find that there's not that many big fish out there because all the big ones you either have or your competitors firmly have um, and or you don't want. So it's, it's, it's really a, a thing we've seen, especially here in the West, where folks are really focused on getting share of wallet, as was just mentioned, as opposed to going for market share because the market's just so mature. It's totally Wild West in places that are emerging like China and other parts of Asia and even Africa. Um, because the, the, the opportunities and the clients are even being created overnight. Uh, so it's a different pattern when it depends on where you are around the world. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Colleen, this is a topic that I suspect is limited to those kinds of selling that have recurring revenue. Is there any, is there any place for managing clients for growth if you have to start over from scratch every month? Well, we do have clients who don't have any opportunities to grow their existing business, but they do have an opportunity to maintain them. So, you know, I think the point is well taken. There are some markets that are growing and some that are, I don't want to say stagnating, but, um, for example, I've got a client in the home health care business. There's only so many clients in the U.S., period, that they can, that they can um, secure. So once they have a client, it's about maintaining it. The client's not going to grow, but they have to create this annuity. So managing clients for growth is maybe a misnomer. It's managing a client for loyalty so your company can grow, but not necessarily so the client can grow, if that makes any sense to you. <laughs> no, it does. And, and let me follow up by asking, I mean, what I hear you both saying is that every individual, every company, every market may be a little bit different. Uh, you, you really have to create a strategy that makes sense for you. And this particular phase of it, managing clients for growth, may be a part of it, Colleen. Is that, is that fair? 
Yeah, because, you know, I think you look at it two ways, I suppose. You can look at it as managing your clients for growth of that client, so every year you're selling them more, or growth of your business. I don't believe that you can successfully or profitably grow your business year over year if you don't at least maintain your current client base. So, again, my clients in agriculture, for example, you're selling fertilizer to a farmer. He buys so many pounds of fertilizer a year. That's all he needs if he hasn't, you know, expanded his farm. You need to hold on to that client year over year plus add new ones if you want to grow your existing footprint on the business. Yeah, no question. Tim, the the challenge becomes for a lot of industries that are very economically sensitive, many times uh, growth is not really even a part of the, the equation, or is it? Well, so I, I tend to go back around the idea that what's the problem that you're trying to solve. And right. I use the word problem and get kind of a reaction from folks. A lot of seller folks like to say, what do you mean opportunity? And when I talk to <laughs> buyers, work with buyers, they call it problem. So I'm just going to stick with that word for this discussion. The, okay. the problem itself evolves and it changes. And sometimes it actually goes away. So it's really tough to even maintain loyalty with somebody who no longer has a problem and no longer needs your help in solving that problem. Yeah. So it's, it's not just growth. I love the idea of loyalty, um, it's, but it's also about relevance, right? That's yes, a really good absolutely. Point. Two fantastic guests today on BizLocker Radio. Our first guest, Colleen Francis. You can find her online at EngageSelling.com. You want to make sure you follow her on Twitter at EngageColleen. That's Colleen with two L's and two E's, C-O-L-L-E-E-N. And Tim Ohai, you can find him uh, online as well at growthandassociates.com and follow him on Twitter at Tim Ohai. You know, guys, there's there's so many challenges that exist for salespeople from, from the very new person to the, the, the veteran that's been around quite a while. And I suspect that the veteran, when they begin to approach some level of plateau, uh, there, there, there comes a time when they have to balance all of these things. Tim, let me ask you, do... Do you find older reps who are more established, do they begin to lose an edge, and does that provide opportunities for people to move in behind them and actually chip away at some of that uh, established client business? It's a mixed bag because I'm one of those guys who grew up with a lot of folks who have been selling longer than I'd been alive when I was learning the business. Right. And I learned that there were folks out there who, till the day they retired, and they were often forced into retirement because they didn't want to quit. Um, were hungry and learning and, and just awesome in their client relationships, and they were almost impossible to replace. And then there are other people out there who had, um, they, they would say they had 20 years' experience, but it was really one year's of experience 20 times. You know what I'm saying? So yes. they, they repeated themselves, and they were on, on coast mode with their relationships, and those opportunities were easy for a competitor to come in. And it goes back to that idea of relevance. The most experienced and even the youngest, anybody who is focusing on being as relevant as possible to their buyers are going to be successful. And anyone who's not focused on relevance uh, is going to slowly become a dinosaur and obsolete. Right. Colleen, I, I often liken this idea of protecting the existing clients to like building a moat around them. I mean, you have to have such a powerful relationship with people uh, that it more or less keeps competitors at bay. Is that getting harder to do? <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, I take a slightly different stance on that. Um, I think that what we need to do is not build a moat around them, but actually build the defenses from within. So okay. by building out your contacts and your relationships inside the account, you create stability because 
again, you're everywhere, <laughs> seen by everyone, and you're impossible to replace. So that's not difficult to do, but there has to be a willingness to do it. And far too many sales reps, um, I would say they get stagnant. And they fall into this complacency where they say, well, you know, Kelly's my client. He's the guy who bought from me. He's the CEO. He made the decision, so I'll just nurture that relationship. And they don't bother to nurture the relationships below Kelly or above Kelly if there's a board or beside Kelly. And when Kelly retires or leaves or, God forbid, gets fired uh, and walked out the door, then they have no other relationships when really they need to be leveraging that relationship to really go wide and deep, you know, to use a... Uh, yes. A common phrase, so that they're building those fortresses, those moats, whatever you want to call it, locking the doors from the inside of the account. <laughs> uh, this is a great show, Tim. Colleen is firing me for my own show. That's, that's always ex- that's exciting. <laughs> I agree with her, so I, that's, you got no help from me, man. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, uh, Colleen, let, let's pursue that a little bit. I would assume that that's one of your keys for, for managing a client for growth, that you're really digging into the organization and, and looking into deeper relationships across the board. Any, any particular ideas that you want to share with the listeners? Well, I think that organizational charts are an amazing tool for sales, and they're, they're underused. I don't really understand why. It's amazing what happens when you sit down in front of your client with a, brand, a blank org chart hand them a pen and say, hey, help me understand the organization. There's something about the human brain that needs to fill in boxes. And I, I've been in sales meetings where the customer just grabs the pen and they start writing. Well, Susie sits over here and Bob is here and you know, Jennifer reports in this way. And all of a sudden, you've got this great org chart. So now you can start to have group meetings or one-on-one meetings, relationships, phone calls, emails, whatever it takes across the entire organization so that you're um, finding out from everybody's perspective, what's working, what's not working, um, and what you can do to help. Tim, I failed to mention your outstanding book that you co-authored and uh, that I also wrote a review for, Sales Chaos, (laughs) Using Agility, Selling to Think and Sell Differently. Talk a little bit about the perspective from your book. How How does some of the ideas of chaos theory relate to managing clients for growth? Cool. Um, so, thanks for that plug. Um, the idea behind it is that most of what we've been taught around just business theory in general uh, is, is straight lines. It's linear. Uh, and anybody, especially in sales, uh, will tell you that business never runs in straight lines. It's always going in, in random directions. But it's not that it's completely like chaotic and dangerous. It's just not straight lines. And so the idea of how do we figure out how to harness that, that chaos pattern instead of trying to fight it. So the idea of going into a, a customer and understanding the relationships, we say, well, what's, what's going to be most stable or your anchoring point uh, in developing relationships and having a network? And, and we found through our research and also uh, working with our own clients that the problems that those people are trying to solve is the most stable thing. It, it, everybody kind of works towards a problem until it either goes away or it gets managed. So you could have job titles that become meaningless simply because someone's responsibility for a problem shifts. So we're working with one client right now that's trying to launch a brand new uh, text platform for enterprise-level customers, and their biggest struggle is trying to figure out how to connect with the right buyer Uh, because there's all kinds of people within the architecture of their clients that can buy, but the difference between buying small versus buying big is completely different. So by understanding how the problem works within an individual client will then help you understand how the network of people work. 
So you're not just always chasing job titles. You're actually trying to chase people who need this problem to go away, need your help, need your advice, need your product or service in order to manage their own success so they can move on to the next problem. And that's what sales chaos tries to open the door to that idea of thinking differently so you actually sell differently instead of walking in the door with a product or a a pitch that you normally give everybody, you walk in the door with a different point of view that somebody needs to explore, to understand, to make themselves successful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, Tim. And and when I think about the the landscape that's out there, it seems to me that the explosion of social media and digital media and digital tools has uh, not rendered salespeople obsolete. They've made them that much more needed because there is so much out there to sort through. But uh, Colleen, let me ask you. I mean, we have we have way more information today than we did say twenty years ago at our disposal. Uh, do do you see all salespeople sort of equally climbing that ladder, or are some people taking to it much more effectively than others? No, they're not all taking to it effectively. And I suppose you could do um, two different um, analysis of this. One, the easy one, and. And I have to say this by also prefacing the fact that I really hate generalizations about generations, okay? Yes, yes. (laughs) But that being said, you cannot deny the fact that the millennial generation in sales is taking to technology and platforms and tools much more quickly than any other generation because that's what they've grown up with. Now, on top of that, we have a difference between what I would call – Uh, high potential reps and champions, so people who are willing to do the work that's required to be successful today and are doing it, so willingness and ability, and those who are not. So you could take sellers of any generation, um, be they, you know, baby boomers down to, let's say, Gen Y, and those that are top performers have really embraced technology, tools, or anything new that's required to be successful. So I really love this idea of sales chaos and that concept of the fact that the information could come from anywhere and sales isn't linear, right? Every sales process is different. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so the smartest salespeople look at the client uniquely and say, how am I going to gather information? How does the client want to communicate with me? Where is the client hanging out? And they adjust their sales approach based on what the customer is doing, not just what they're comfortable doing. A great guest today on Biz Locker Radio. It's Tim O'Hai and Colleen Francis. We're going to take our first time out. We'll come back after the break. We're going to get very specific and very tactical about managing clients for growth. You want to make sure you stay with us. Again, bizlockerradio.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. You're listening to the Business Locker Room on Voice America. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. 
How do you take a company from zero to $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Now, my friend Dan Walshman, bringing us back after a timeout. He was the very, very, very first guest ever. On BizLocker Radio, going way back. This is show number 52, Managing Clients for Growth. Our guests are Tim O'Hai and Colleen Francis. You want to follow them online, by the way, at Engage Colleen, at Tim O'Hai. It's O-H-A-I. Guys, we're talking about managing clients for growth, and I do want to get tactical and give our listeners something very real that they can put their hands around. We talked about you know, defending those relationships, Tim, really building up relationships and you had some thoughts around growing a relationship as it relates to a problem. Why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So the main idea that the role of a salesperson is there to be a problem solver is absolutely core to this whole idea. Um, you've got to be recognized and valued as a problem solver for your clients, uh, which means you're going to get invited into solving actual problems, but those problems have boundaries. And what we work with our clients on is recognizing very quickly when you're working with somebody to help them address a challenge, to achieve a, a, a crazy goal, to address something that's really complex, you've really only got three outcomes that you can push for. The first one you can get is just to initiate, just to get started, get something in the door, get something working so that that client can see, experience some sort of success. It's not as big and not as grand as some of our, uh, our, our, our demands for our own selves would be. But from the client's perspective, it's massive to them because they just needed to get started because they were stuck. The second goal is to integrate. And that's way more complex because not only do you have to make one person happy, you've probably got to interrupt or integrate with somebody else and their problem. And so that requires you to start networking and getting an understanding around who actually owns the problem and are these problems connected, et cetera that you can start working out what's required to integrate. Because the last thing you want to do is introduce a solution that makes somebody else's problem worse. That's the fastest way to lose your credibility as a provider of solutions to your clients, and you will not grow that relationship longer. And then the third outcome that we shoot for is how to actually optimize, how to take everything that we're doing. We've worked on integrating. We're crossing different functions. We're coming up with probably some really cool ideas and really cool solutions. And now we've got to find the efficiencies that usually come from how we manage our own company and how it interfaces with the client. So the idea of initiating, integrating, and optimizing 
massive responsibility, and you've got to recognize that you're only going to reach that top level of optimization with just a handful of clients. Uh, I believe it's forced for research that you're going to get out there with one out of every seven clients is going to reach that point where you're actually working on really impressive efficiencies. So set your own expectations about what, what you can and cannot do, and then quickly recognize your role as a problem solver, because if you're there trying to massively change the relationship between your company and your client's company, the odds are you're making the problem worse, and you will not be invited to come back for the next cycle. Huh, that's a very interesting perspective. You know, Colleen, one of the things that strikes me, an age-old problem in sales, is that salespeople will often fail to ever come into a business relationship high enough up the ladder to actually create an opportunity to manage a client for growth. They're stuck at the purchasing agent level or or something similar. If our listeners found themselves in that situation, are there practical ways to get out? Uh, absolutely. And... Let me first say that I don't believe that you sell high or uh, high up in the food chain, I mean, (laughs) sell high or don't sell at all, nor do I believe you start at the bottom and work your way up. I think inside an organization, if you're really committed to growth and long-term client relationships, you have to build relationships at multiple levels inside the organization. So, yeah, it often happens where um, you've developed a relationship with the purchasing agent for one reason or another, um, and what you need to do is get referrals through the organization. So you have to get that purchasing agent to refer you across or up or down. You have to call that purchasing agent and say, I'm going to be calling the marketing manager or I'm going to be calling operations or who's your number two or um, the director of finance really needs to chat with us about and use um, what I would call insider status. So do your research, figure out who you want to build a relationship with, and then move across the organization. You know, here's, a, here's an interesting test. If you have an active client, so somebody who is actively buying from you on a regular basis, and you know that they're happy and satisfied, so they're buying your products, maybe repeatedly if they've got an order cadence, the users are happy with it, and they won't refer you across the organization, then something is wrong there that you have to sort out. Now, a purchasing agent may not refer you to the president, but you're asking for a lot there. But you can work your way through the organization, um, you know, maybe sideways, up and down. You could host, um, uh, like, lunch and learns or group meetings. I love the concept of a business review where you might say, hey, it's time for us to review how we're doing with you. So you get five or six of them in a room and a couple of you, you've just expanded your network again. Mm -hmm. All of those ideas are important to build out that relationship. Well, what I hear behind that, though, Colleen, is a salesperson really has to have that capability. I mean, they have to have a a sense of confidence and knowledge and and some comfort around the idea of even having a business review. I mean, that may get way outside of their comfort level or even their expertise level. Yeah, and again, as a sales VP in an organization, you have to assess whether that salesperson is willing as well as able. So the willingness is really critical. Do they say to you, hey, I need to learn how to do business reviews, train me, or do they say, I'm not going to do that and I don't know how? Because the willingness there is really key. If they're not willing, whether they're able or not, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be successful. 
Tim, I really want to get down and, and get my hands dirty at this point with with a question that that I hear quite often from salespeople, particularly younger salespeople, young in terms of getting into uh, the profession of selling, regardless of age. Uh, but many times, buyers, clients, customers will, will hold salespeople at bay. They really want to limit them to transactional type of business. They're really leery of relationship. They're leery of people coming in and beginning to sort of, you know, <laughs> infiltrate the minds of their people, if you, if you know what I'm trying to say. They're, they're afraid that they're yeah. going to start, quote unquote, selling them on things they don't need. What kind of advice do you give that salesperson? Well, so, so first and foremost, part of it is you got to understand that whether you've done it or not, the, the reputation has been earned, probably by somebody who was before you and definitely by somebody who's calling on the same person from a different company because that's how buyers are treated. They're treated like transactors. They're treated like, you know, you've got to buy from me. I used to work with a guy back in New, in New York out of Brooklyn, and, and his whole approach was, yeah, you, you know, you've got to buy from me. And the way he worked his relationships were very, a lot of pressure. And buyers are just tired of it. And when you add in the dynamic that they're busy trying to solve complex problems and you're an interruption to that, there's just no way to change the perception unless you come in differently. And one of the first things we tell people is walk in the door of having done your homework on the problems they're trying to solve. What are the pressures? What are the trends? What are the responsibilities that are driving uh, uh, problems or unmet expectations that person has to meet and get specific. Use LinkedIn, for goodness sake. Find some aspect of social media that lets you get insights into individuals. So you don't call on VPs of purchasing. You call on, you know, John O'Brien, who's the VP of purchasing of Company X, or Maria Sanchez, who's the director of procurement at Company Y. And you get into John Maria's perspective in a way that before you even talk to them, you're walking in the door with a point of view that's going to be relevant. And then you work and you practice and craft your message so when you're calling them on the phone or sending them an email or even stopping by in person, you're walking in the door and it's very quick to say, I'd love to talk to you about this problem. My understanding is that you might actually be working to address it. I've helped clients like you and you work from there. But if you can't walk in the door with a point of view that's already educated, you're going to be ignored. I can't tell you how many emails I get per day from salespeople trying to reach me and it's so generic and it's so canned. I, if I don't catch it in the first sentence, I delete it and send it off and I don't even respond. Tim O'Hai and Colleen Francis are my guests here on Biz Locker Radio. There are so many tools that are out there, Colleen. Later in the show, I'll have Miles Austin join us. We do the X's and O's segment most every week, and we talk web tools and digital strategy and and the things that will allow us to acquire this kind of information. How do you counsel your clients? Where do you send them in order to acquire the kind of information that Tim's talking about? How can I learn more about my customers or prospects? Um, I always counsel them to do the same thing, which is, where well, first of all, where do your clients hang out? Like that's that's important. So right. if you know, I mean, there's no point in just arbitrarily saying, "Hey, use Twitter" or "Hey, use LinkedIn," because if your clients aren't there, you're never going to gather any information from them. So I think it's important to find out. You know, are they heavy members, users of their associations? Um, do they still do old-fashioned press releases? Are they all over Twitter? Um, are they privately held customers that don't report into any? Um, stock exchanges, and so you're going to have to dig around and maybe look at Board of Trade um, information. So it's really hard for me to, to say this is the definitive source. I think the word of the day for me on this topic is ubiquity. Be comfortable 
have the mindset that says, I will use whatever tools that are legal, moral, and ethical for me (laughs) to find out information on this customer to prepare for this sales call. Even if I'm uncomfortable with it, I will learn and figure out because ubiquity is how I'm going to be a success. You know, Tim, yeah, that's a really good perspective. Tim, it's interesting to me because some people have really taken to digital media, social media, digital tools, and all those kinds of things. But one of the things that that has done, at least from my perspective, and of course, I'm older, I'm I'm, I'm a baby boomer, but I think it's underappreciated and underutilized to use some of the old-fashioned networking tools if you're calling on selling to people in a a local geography, and that is things like association meetings and things like that. I, I like what Colleen said. If you go where your customers are, typically they're, they have some kind of local meeting that they frequent. And there's also the old-fashioned network of, like, we've talked all this, t- you know, time before in the, the radio show about know people at different parts of that company. Leverage those relationships. See if they'll invite you to a lunch with somebody else because, and, and here's the thing I found over and over, if they trust you already because they've worked with you and now they recognize, man, I'm working on this really complex problem to solve. I want to connect you with this other person and we're working on this thing together, you suddenly have an in. But the idea that social media is your magic pixie dust, um, it just have fun with that because it doesn't really work. At the same time, <laughs> our clients, especially the younger generation, is emerging in a way to do that, but, they, but they're only going to talk about certain, um, there's only so much transparency they'll bring to the problems they're trying to solve. Yeah, I, you know, it's you bring up an interesting point. One of the things that that I think many salespeople struggle with is this idea of building a relationship, as though we could do that through a computer. I guess that's kind of what some people, you know, have grown up with. But you mentioned something, uh, Colleen, that is a is a real favorite of mine. You talked about lunch and learns. I like that for a lot of reasons. One, it allows me to bring real content and real value to a client. Uh, enables enables me to reinforce the credibility that I have as an expert in in that particular space, and it also allows me to develop some additional relationships. How is this a bad plan? I can't find it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great plan. And you know what I sometimes find, you know, whether it's a lunch and learn or a business review or whatever it is, it's a group meeting. You. There's always people inside the organization who don't want to meet you because you're the sales guy. And there's always people who don't want to refer their colleagues or their boss to you because, you know, you're still in their mind the sales guy, even though you might have a tremendous reputation. And so having a bigger forum, you know, let's just say maybe the COO doesn't want to go to a one-on-one meeting because they're thinking, man, all Colleen's going to do is try to sell me something, even though that's not my intent. But you know what? I'll show up at this meeting with eight of my other colleagues because if I really don't like her, I can sneak out the back and pretend to go to another meeting. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit funny there, but it is true. Um, and Tim is right. You know, that reputation is earned. And it hasn't – we don't always have the luxury of starting out a relationship within a positive reputation place because other people in our profession have hurt us. Or perceptions of other people have hurt us. And so these group meetings are a great way to get introduced to lots of people at various levels of power in the organization in a very non-threatening way. Yeah, I would, agree, I would agree with that. Tim, there's a real sense that if I do that lunch and learn or if I bring some content or value to the organization, that it has to have something to do with what I sell. And yet, I think one of the really, really great secrets out there is you can bring value uh, in, into different contexts with your clients. And oftentimes you can broaden your expertise horizon simply by addressing some of those solutions that may not actually be something your solutions provide for. 
I totally, yeah, I, I would even go one step further. I would say um, in those early stages, it's not about trying to sell anything. It's actually just trying to be relevant and, and right. demonstrate that the way you work is different than whatever perception people have. Because most often than not, I'm finding that buyers are looking, they're, they're actually segmenting their vendors based on working capabilities, not just products or services. So these people we can really collaborate with. These ones, we want to keep a big 10-foot pole between us and them because we don't like the smell. And changing that perception has to begin with you building credibility to talk about, let's talk about whatever it is you're trying to do and figure out how to solve these problems that you're trying to solve. And and we might actually have a, a client that's similar in their space, but not necessarily a competitor. And we can connect you to work together and talk about that stuff. Happy to make that connection for you. Other things that you can do besides actually selling something, but when you do those value-creating activities, you're creating the opportunity for somebody to actually talk to you about, well, let's see what you can do for us. Yeah, you guys have thrown out some fantastic ideas. We've got a couple of minutes left in the segment. Before we get away, I want to ask you about your top keys for managing a client for growth. And I suspect you'll have to put it into some context simply because every client is a little different and it may vary from industry to industry. But uh, Tim, let me go ahead and start with you. As as you talk about managing a client for growth, give our listeners a couple of keys, a couple of things to focus in on. Man, well, I've I've been hammering on this all the whole episode and, and I'll say number one, focus on solving problems. Don't focus on selling anything. Focus on solving a problem. Look for those opportunities where you can create mutual value by selling something, but, but make sure you're not just focused on uh, the features and benefits of what your product is. Focus more on the complexity of the problem that your client or buyer is trying to solve and who's all connected with that and insert yourself into that network so that you can do more. And then number two, I would say right off the bat, never, ever, ever sacrifice your credibility. Once you lose your credibility, once you start acting, you know, like somebody else, that you're not genuinely who you are, uh, you, you will lose all opportunity to grow that relationship at all over time. Quick follow-up for you, Tim. I can hear someone out there yelling at the radio right now saying, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, don't go into sale, just go into build credibility. But I've got a sales manager screaming at me about moving the needle on my number. Uh, how do you answer that question? So, so two, two things. One, just as we have to have thick skin with our clients, we've got to have thick skin with our managers. Um, and I, the, the fastest way I have seen over and over, and it's the way I run my own business and I generate my own paychecks, is by, by, by just silencing all that noise and just shutting it off and just go in there, solve problems, focus on that. And it's amazing. Even when we do research in companies and look for their top salespeople, every single one of them is a problem solver. And the ones who are struggling are product sellers. And they, they don't miss the opportunity to elevate that conversation to something different. So you just have to stick to your guns and trust that it works. And believe me, it will work. Yeah, very good. Just about 60 seconds left, Colleen. A couple of keys for managing a client for growth. Number one you have to remember that it's quantity of relationships plus quality of relationships that leads to growth, not one or the other. They're not mutually exclusive. Two, to piggyback on something Tim said, don't be afraid to deliver value. Mantra going into these meetings when you want to grow a customer is, how can I ensure that this customer is better off? How can I improve their condition? Are they better off having met with me than having not met with me, regardless of whether they buy anything from you. So that's always putting value first as opposed to your product or service first. 
absolutely two superstar salespeople run their own businesses out there. You want to make sure you find both Colleen and Tim online. Really, really highly recommend both of their books. Colleen is the author of Nonstop Sales Boom. It explains how to break the unhealthy cycle of sales peaks and valleys. And then Tim Ohai is a co-author of Sales Chaos, how they use agility selling to think and sell differently. Fantastic books. These guys are both on Twitter. They have their own companies. EngageSelling.com for Colleen. And then at, uh, or excuse me, Growth and Associates. Spell it out, GrowthAndAssociates.com for Tim Ohai. Hey, guys, you're fantastic. Thanks for joining me in BizLocker Radio. Hey, my pleasure. This was great. Yeah. Super deal. Thank hey, you much. Thank you, thank you. We're going to take our uh, time out. We're going to come back on the other side. Going to be good stuff for my friend Miles Austin. He's the web tools guy. You find him at fillthefunnel.com, and we're going to talk about a business dashboard that he's got queued up and ready to talk to us about. And again, I uh, want to re- remind you that uh, we're giving away books that you are absolutely free. Text us at 33444. Just text the word Biz Radio. The first five people uh, before May the 1st, and I'm going to send you a fantastic book from one of the great authors we've had on board. We'll take that time out. We'll come back on the other side. Stay with me. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to BizLocker Radio. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. How do you take a company from zero to $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Absolutely fantastic content from Tim O'Hai and Colleen Francis. My thanks going out to them for joining us in our previous segment. Hey, this is Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you on board. And we turn now to the X's and O's segment, as always, with my friend Miles Austin. Miles, great to have you in the house. Thanks, Kelly. Glad to be here today. It's a great show you just had with uh, Tim 
And uh, Colleen, I, great ideas, and uh, it's always great. We all want to know how to grow our business, and that's what the whole show is all about. Yeah, it's complex. You know, there's, uh, of course, there was a lot of conversation in, around your realm of influence, business tools and digital media and all of those kinds of things. I think that's what makes this segment so valuable to our listeners. It is, absolutely so, and I think there's a good variety there, and obviously the depth of the, uh, the speakers and their experiences are a tremendous value. So, again, I encourage everyone over on the Periscope side at bizlockerradio.com. Go check it out and listen into the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have everybody on board. Again, I'm Kelly Riggs. Follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. One more time, let me remind you that we will be giving away uh, five business books this week before May the 1st. Text BizRadio, B-I-Z, R-A-D-I-O, just text that to the number 33444, and uh, it won't cost you a dime. We just want to know that you're out there and that you're listening. So great to have you with us. Um, and Miles Austin, by the way, fillthefunnel.com. Uh, you can follow him at Miles Austin. Miles, we're going to talk business dashboards today. That's kind of a big terminology. Tell us a little bit more about it. Well, Kelly, it's like everything else in life. Your last two uh, guests just were talking about it as well. Sometimes with business, Whatever business you're in, small business, big business, or district manager, you're the CEO, doesn't matter. We have so much information today. The, the overload of what we're doing uh, online as well as within our business um, is overwhelming for most people. And so the challenge is, is to try to get an understanding at a glance to understand where things are on track with our goals, where things are uh, maybe off of track a little bit maybe some things that are surging, and maybe some areas of our business that we really need to dive down into uh, in order to find out a little bit more about what's going on there. And that's really what a dashboard is. It's designed, as you can imagine with that term, it's designed to give you a visual dashboard of the key measurements and metrics that are important for your business. And they've been around for a long time, but more and more with the technology as it's developing, we're bringing this capability down to an individual or a small business owner, as well as now uh, the same capabilities that the big kids have had for a long time. Yeah, okay. It's, it sounds interesting. So give me an example. Give me a tool that we could be looking at. Absolutely. Probably the tool that's a great one to get started with. It's a kind of the training wheels, I call it, um, is a product called Dasheroo.com. D-A-S-H-E-R-O-O.com. Uh, it's okay. a product that's in beta. It's beautifully done. Uh, it's very elegant in its design. And I hate to say it, Kelly, but it's free. So <laughs> obviously we've got some good interest there for this one. Yeah, you know, I love all the free tools. It's, it's, so, it's so terrible. You've turned me into tool junkie. And, and, I, and I was kidding uh, Miles last week as we talked about Video Motion Pro. Fantastic product that I immediately purchased uh, for my own uh, work here. But uh, Miles is in the process of breaking the bank here in the business locker room with all these tools. So I like free. I like it a lot, Miles. Tell me about Dasheroo. How would I use it? Well, if you think about it, all of the tools like we've talked about, you mentioned social media in the past. But what we do is with Dasheroo is we give you an ability through technology to connect all these disparate systems and tools and platforms and take the most important data and put it all on one big screen for you. So as an example, uh, maybe in my business, which is true, um, Google Analytics and specific sections of Google Analytics are important to me. I want to know how we're doing. Um, I have a LinkedIn account that really some of the areas within LinkedIn are critical to my lead generation. 
um, my email uh, provider, whether it's Constant Contact or um, Vertical Response or MailChimp or whomever it might be, integrate in. So again, just those key metrics can all be combined. It integrates with companies like Salesforce and SurveyMonkey and uh, Instagram and Google Analytics and Twitter and all of those platforms. But now you don't have to have 12 tabs open on your screen. You open up your Dasharoo dashboard and all of that important, timely data and those key measurements, not all of it unless you've selected a bunch of different views, but those most important metrics are right there on your screen for a quick and easy pop in, take a look, scan. My tendency is I look for two. I look for outliers going higher than expectation and for those that are underperforming what I had set as a goal. And it gives all that to you in one screen. Well, I, I'm starting to get some insight here, Miles, because many times you and I have had personal conversations offline, and you've talked about keeping an eye on certain things and watching certain trends and so forth. Now I begin to get the sense that it's one of these dashboard tools that you're using in that process. Absolutely. And I tell you the truth is, as I said, Dasharu, partially because it's free for now, but because it's really designed kind of as I look at it again as a way to get started with it. Uh, believe me, dashboards can get extremely complex, uh, complex and really able to drill down into minute details down into your financials, your P&L, your cash flow, and everything else. That's not what Dasharu does. Dasharu is designed to give you a high level across multiple platforms in a quick, easy way to do it. I think it's a perfect way to start to understand the power of this concept of dashboards and do it at no cost. It's a great tool to do that. Hey, you're listening to Biz Locker Radio, of course, but you're listening to the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin, the web tools guy. Find him at fillthefunnel.com. Make sure you subscribe to his email as if he doesn't have enough people following him on email. I can't count that high, Miles, but these, uh, the, the tools that you bring to the table, man, I, I, this one really excites me. I, I didn't know how to think about it, but I realize that the problem you're describing is one that I experience pretty regularly. It, it is a rare individual now in business that doesn't have multiple social platforms and a blog and various other things. And typically, you have to go to all of these separate places to find out what's going on in that world. This is an absolutely free tool that aggregates all this in a very visual way and makes it easy. Absolutely. So, you know, as an example, maybe we just have a new product release or maybe in my world and a little bit in your world too, maybe you have a new blog post and you've, you've got the blog post out there and you're looking at your Google Analytics and you open up the screen for the day and you say, wow, what happened two days ago? I had a big spike, way more than the normal. Again, looking for that outlier. And you can literally click on it, drive backwards and say, wow, there was something that resonated with that post or that activity or that tweet or that Facebook page, whatever it might have been. Something resonated with my followers and my audience that I need to pursue and go a little bit deeper in. It's that instant ability to see the trend. I mean, think about it, Kelly. You've got a lot of activity on Twitter. If you just go look at your stream through either Twitter directly or through Hootsuite and a lot of the other products, it, it can really be pretty confusing, and it goes so quickly, you're going to miss the general trends. As an example, when I send out an email, one of the most important uh, measurements for me is open rate. I want to know what percentage. Was this at 10% or was it at 56%? I want to know what's happening there because then I can gauge what I need to adjust, and it might tell me I did a bad job with a title or a headline in the subject line of that email. 
that's great information to have because as I think you and I have come to understand, you need to be working in your business every day and then working on your business as well. Well, you raise a really interesting point because uh, many of us labor under this idea that if we're putting out content miles and we're doing our job, but you could be putting out boatloads of content and not really hit it, be hitting your market effectively. This is a tool that enables you to do some testing and find out what works. Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, what you said, I think is probably a trap that a lot of us get into. Uh, it's real easy to push, right? We can push out stuff, data, content, whatever we want to call it all the time. The challenge is, and the best thinkers in social media say that's really not the best way to do it. Push out about 80-20 or even 90-10. 90% share with your followers what other people are doing that you found interesting and you think will be helpful to that audience and to their interest. 10% maybe is for you on your own content. This kind of tool can show you pretty quickly. What are my retweets? How many am I getting? Am I, again, above or below my expectation, the goals that I've set? Um, it's all there, but it helps you be able really quickly uh, to get this done. In addition, a really neat feature that I don't use personally because it's just me at Fill the Funnel is this team collaboration capability. You can have multiple people having access to this dashboard, and you can say, hey, look, why? what happened on Tuesday when we had a big spike or a big drop in website traffic, open rates, uh, retweets, or whatever it might be, and other team members within Dasharoo can respond and give you the feedback. Well, the other thing I like about Dasharoo, and I don't know if you have a couple other tools you want to share, but before we leave Dasharoo, the interesting thing is you can have multiple reports or multiple dashboards, so for different people inside the organization, they may want to look at the data a little bit differently. Great point. A CFO will want to look at diff things differently than maybe the VP of sales. So absolutely. And we've talked in the past about some of the higher end tools like this. Like I look at Rival IQ as an example. That's my go-to when I really want to go deep and wide into what's happening, not only in my business, on my platforms, but also what my competition's doing. So again, this is just a great way to start. It's free. It's really fast to set up. You click a few links and say, I want my Facebook, my Twitter, my LinkedIn, and maybe your MailChimp account, let's just say, and maybe your Google Analytics account, and you're up and running literally in a few minutes. Yeah, outstanding. Well, another great tool for my friend, Miles Austin. And I don't want to get away without talking about uh, you going to the Sales Acceleration Summit on May the 7th. This is going to be a platform for some of the very best sales leaders on the planet together around. They're going to be listening to people like you, Miles. What are you going to talk about there? Uh, I tell you what, I, I, I do these kind of presentations frequently as you do, Kelly, and I, I am so excited about this one. The, the title for my presentation, my 15 minutes of fame, if you will, out of all those 80 speakers is, I have to look up and read it, but it's about video. It's called Getting Your Message Across Most Effectively, The Power of Video. And it really is an amazing, amazing ability to use the power of video and why, as you know, Kelly, you've heard this statistic that people will remember and understand 10% of what they read, 20% of what they hear, but 80% or more of what they see. And so what I'm sharing is some techniques and some ideas on how to combine video, the visual, and the audio. And when you combine those both, you've got the ultimate in recall for your prospects, interest for your customers, and I'm going to share a statistic that I was just blown away by that I got from Forbes just a couple of days ago. 
because one of the common things I hear, especially in B2B sales, is that, oh, I sell to the executive and they don't have time for video. You got to sign up, you got to connect, because I have a statistic that I think is very compelling to say, that ain't the case, folks. These executives and the percentage of time that they're watching videos and what they do after they've watched a salesperson's video are really compelling. You got to sign in. It's free. There's 80 experts. It's going to be a great day, and you get access to all of them by just registering. Uh, that's going to do it for us right here at Biz Locker Radio. It's presented by the Business Locker Room. Thanks to my good friend, Miles Austin, fillthefunnel.com. Miles, appreciate it very much. You bet. Hey, that's going to do it. Uh, super show. Colleen Francis, Tim O'Hai, we're on board. We talked uh, managing your clients for growth. Good stuff. We're operating at the intersection of sports and business. Next week, more of the same. A couple of great sales superstars will join us. One last time, make sure you text me now, or if you're listening on the podcast, you've got till May the 1st. Text Biz Radio to 33444. We will send you a brand new sales book, absolutely free, no shipping, no nothing. That's going to do it for me. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kelly Riggs. This is Biz Locker Radio on Voice America. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.